It takes more than great code to be a great software engineer. This is episode 65 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for developers and ostriches. <laughs> how did you pick ostriches? I, I can't tell you how my brain works. I don't know. <laughs> I have to use my brain to tell you how my brain works, and that's yeah. just not happening. It's already untrustworthy. <laughs> uh, ostrich meat is delicious, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, I had it once in, in South Africa. Does it taste it's... like chicken? No. It oh. was like a mix of chicken and steak. Of all the things that are not going to taste like chicken, I, <laughs> I would have expected ostrich meat to not be on that list. Yeah. Wait, there are too many negatives there. Yeah, I totally lost myself. It tastes like chicken. Point That's is, I expected it to taste like chicken okay. since it's basically a big chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, enough about that. I think we have a comment from a listener. Would you like to share it with us? Yes. Um, so we did a rerun a couple weeks ago and someone listened to it, at least one person, and they said, <laughs> I'm listening to the rerun, which has my anonymous question on being in a two bosses situation. Jameson asked if I tried doing nothing to see if the problem goes away, and it turns out that worked great. A couple of months <laughs> later, the senior dev quit. Thanks for the advice. Uh, in the meantime, I did talk about it with my manager, but just waiting for him to quit would have been way easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's Happy so to help. <laughs> have you tried doing nothing? <laughs> I'm doing that all the time yeah <laughs> most of the problems in my life uh that's my that's my method for trying to solve all of them at once just do nothing yeah I'm, I'm doing nothing on so many things all at the same time i'm multitasking really well yeah you know this head in the hand or sorry hand whoa brain come on brain. <laughs> this head in the sand strategy sometimes gets a bad rap but <laughs> it works pretty well <laughs> until it doesn't that looks real bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad it worked uh, out. Thanks yeah, congratulations. For the Should we uh, do our first question? Yes, I will read it. This comes from listener Joe. Joe writes, I constantly fear that no matter how much experience I have, the engineering landscape will suddenly shift and I'll be unemployed and out of touch. I have a great job that I can't enjoy because I don't feel like it pushes me to be top 1% mega dev. And I worry that only the super best will find jobs in a near future. Can you give me any advice to get over this feeling? Am I the only one afraid of that? So I've been reading a lot of Batman comics lately to escape from reality. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> Head in the sand. <laughs> yeah. And, and Batman is a top 1% mega human, but he mm -hmm. had a lot of bad stuff happen to him. He's got a pretty crappy life. So... I don't know. It sounds like your life is way easier than Batman's life. The 99% is a pretty comfortable place to be. Yeah, in some ways it is. <laughs> like your Robin, for example. He's in the 99%. <laughs> Robin? Yeah. Uh, you... I have bad news about Robin. Uh -oh. Do you know? <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> well, in the 80s, Robin died. Oh, jeez. I'm a yeah, little Yeah, the behind. Joker killed him. There's been like a couple new Robins since then. So... Uh, and this all neatly relates to the question, like so. That's my uh, yakety sax transition back to the question. Um, hmm. I have a fear that my experience in technology will be useless when the world ends. And then it'll be like doctors, 
and people farmers. that know how to fix stuff <laughs> and farmers <The> yeah <laughs> and then and then i'll be like i don't know yeah i'll just be manual labor Exactly. I, I sometimes fear that but like crappy if, manual labor because yeah. <laughs> I've been <laughs> my I've hands been hurt. Weakened. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting repetitive stress injuries. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an ergonomic shovel that I could use? <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I do think about this sometimes. I, I sometimes think about what would happen if suddenly the Earth lost the ability to generate electricity. I do too. And how I useless, totally do. How useless yeah. I will be in this world. <laughs> uh, I can sort this backpack full of rocks <laughs> really fast. <laughs> From largest to smallest. On a whiteboard? <laughs> yeah. Whiteboards have been scrapped to use as armor. They don't yeah. exist anymore. <laughs> People walking around with whiteboards on their arm as a shield. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, so I can relate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, you know, I, I totally, yeah, you clearly understand. <laughs> you understand Joe's plight. <laughs> I do. I, I wake up sweaty at night thinking when, about it. When I was in my first couple of years of uh, programming, uh, you know, my first so-called real jobs, I do remember having this fear. And then... At some point, it, the fear disappeared. I, I don't know when. I can't remember. I can't even remember the last time I had this fear. But it was basically gone for 10 years. And then a strange thing started happening over about the last five years. My salary and the salary of the engineers I knew started rising very quickly. I don't know if you had a similar experience, Jameson, over the last five years or so. Mm -hmm. But it seems like the whole landscape has just, I mean, the working life of a software developer today is so good. There's all these perks. It's like free food. Even companies that are notoriously uh, stingy are providing free snacks and all kinds of perks. Can and, I rant about this for one second to yeah. derail you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna. So I, I love, hung out I this it. weekend with my friends from, from high school who are amazing people um, and, and work in a variety of careers. One of them is uh, he works in investment banking and finance, mm -hmm. and those people work a hundred hours a yeah. week yeah. for years, and that's that's not hyperbole. It's a real thing. They work from mm -hmm. like eight to midnight, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. uh, he has young children that just like don't see him ever, um, and then eventually the 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 goal is it'll result in this huge financial windfall. But even at the beginning, when they work those hours, they don't make that much money. Mm -hmm. um, my other friend is a surgeon and he just graduated from med school, uh, which is why we were hanging out. Cause it was the first time he got any vacation since he started med school <laughs> oh, and he's going like, off to like do his four residency five, six years ago. Uh, it, yeah, it was four years ago. And then he's okay. doing his residency with his, which is five years. <sighs> um, and then in five years we will hang out again. Cause that's when his next oh. vacation will be. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably has like $300,000 in debt. He doesn't because he, he, I don't know, he did the military, but oh, most, okay. yeah, okay. most people do. And and then while he's in his residency, he works like 24 hour shifts. And the, I asked him about it, like, what is it like? Do you sleep at all? Like, is it like 24 hours on call? And he's like, no, no, I'm just doing surgery for 24 hours straight. Oh, and then I get a day off to recover and then I do it oh. again. And Hey, if I ever get surgery, I want to be like hour 23 for one doctor. <laughs> you know, like that's me. Cut me open, doc. <laughs> You've been awake for 23 hours. Get a sharp knife and get inside me. Yeah. So there are people that 
have a different life than us. <laughs> that's that's that is, the point of that. Yes, and that is actually 100% supportive of what I was about to say, which is Great. we are in a freaking golden age. And my biggest fear over the last five or six years is when will it end? What will end the golden age? So I think I it's will. a little bit different for you. Oh, you, you will do... <laughs> You will end yeah. the golden age? <laughs> Somehow. The singularity. Yeah. But I think that's... My fear has transitioned from will I become obsolete to will this industry dry up? Mm. So it's not like will the technical skills I know be replaced by some new technology yeah. that I won't yeah. be able to learn. Exactly. And I think what's happened is that I have had to learn so many new technologies and languages and tools that I no longer fear for my ability to learn the new hotness. Um, I now just fear that the industry will just disappear. <laughs> you know? The new hotness is some machine learning thing that replaces your dev team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or somehow it, we get commoditized and people who are making minimum wage can do our job, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's scarier. <laughs> I was going to answer this question very hopefully by saying it's it's fine. It'll all be fine. And you're saying like, mm -hmm. it's fine. Don't worry about that. This way <laughs> worse thing is coming. <laughs> I, I actually don't know if it's coming. I just feel like it's too good to be true right now. Do you ever get that? It does feel a little surreal how how good we have it compared to a lot of people. Uh, to be clear, those friends I talked about, those are both... Uh, very well-paying careers they're not like struggling mm -hmm. or anything mm -hmm. there are people that work those kind of hours and are just living in in misery in yes. fields that are not prestigious and do not pay well right right definitely um, so those those apply even more to those fields uh, yeah where, all the more reason for us to feel like we're in this golden age yeah right? <laughs> like yeah. we work 40 to 50 hours a week most programmers i know Except for yep. the quants. <laughs> the closer yep. you get to finance, the more hours you work, I think. Yeah, <laughs> also the more money you make. So True, true. Making a trade-off. So let's let's go back to Joe's actual question, which is how do I uh, prevent becoming unemployed and out of touch because the technology landscape shifted out from under me? And specifically because he's in a job he likes, but he's not using the new hotness. Yeah. So it sounds like he's worried about stagnating and mm -hmm. then the job goes away and then he doesn't fit in right. in a new place. Right. Yeah. He opens the door to this new world. He's been insulated in his little cocoon and he steps out of the cocoon and the world has changed. Yeah. That's a good question. I've, I've never worked somewhere long enough that I felt like I stagnated. Um, and, and they were always new small startups that were working with the newer technologies mm -hmm. that I felt like pushed me to learn and solve problems. And then besides the specific technologies they use, just the work that we did was, was interesting and made me mm -hmm. feel like I was growing and progressing. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're really worried about it, you, this is potentially an argument for going solo or entrepreneurship. You kind of mm. control your destiny a little bit more. Mm, um, yeah. It's not necessarily the route to, finding lots of hard technical problems though it could be depending on how you end up doing it but um if you want to be successful that's much more a business problem than a technical problem yeah if you want to get so, exposed to lots of new technologies though in a short period of time that's yeah yeah pretty then good just working as a route. freelancer is a great way to do that but you're giving up a lot of other things you're, you're trading you're making trade-offs you might want to make or you might not want mm -hmm. to make 
So I was at one job for about seven years, and at this job we used C++, which as far as I was concerned at the time was basically a dead-end programming language. Uh, C++ has since kind of blossomed. Um, this was about seven years ago. Uh, the new C++ 11 came out, and it, you know, there's a lot of people using it to do cool stuff, but I felt like it was a dead end. And we were using Qt, um, which is a great framework for building uh, user interfaces on desktop applications. But mm-hmm. I just felt like, uh like this is all I am. I, I'm just the Qt expert, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I quit my job and I found a company who was willing to hire me despite the fact that I had zero experience with their technology. I mean, I had a little. They were running on Python and and uh, JavaScript and, and I, I had dabbled in those languages. But they hired me based on my aptitude and then I ramped up on those languages quickly and became effective. And so I think you have to find the right company because there are companies out there who hire for just a, the, the correct laundry list of skills on your resume. You know, it's like, well, we need five years of Java and we need two years of Ruby. And that's anyone who doesn't meet that criteria can't work here. And there are, I think, a lot of companies like that. And I think it's a really bad way to hire engineers. But yeah, um, so you'll have to avoid those companies. Um, but there are also a lot of companies who are willing to hire you based on aptitude, your understanding of fundamentals, and your ability to be a great developer, which they think they can measure through an interview process, um, <laughs> which is cute. But. <laughs> 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 I've rubbed um, off on you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um I don't even know where I was going with that, but yeah, ba- basically it can happen. You can become a little bit stagnant and you'll but but the, as long as you stay sharp on your fundamentals, I think that um there will be a place for you. Yeah. So this is this is that's about staying personally um up to date by working at a place that that helps you do that mm-hmm. what about uh, if the industry does shift so there was the big dot-com bubble mm-hmm. in 2000 um were you working then i wasn't no i was in college okay uh, this, man we need someone even even wiser than us <laughs> no there's no such thing clearly <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, I would love to hear what it was like at that time, I mean, from just secondhand accounts, it sounds like this kind of did happen to a lot of people where a lot of jobs dried up and people, mm-hmm. um, it was a pretty frothy market and then it suddenly wasn't. Well, I was on, I was on the job market, uh, during the bust in 2003 and, mm-hmm. um, I interviewed at like eight or nine companies and only got one job offer and I was fresh out of college, of course, but I don't feel like it was any different then than it is today. I don't feel like having a particular set of skills or sorry, a particular set of like technologies or languages on your resume gave you much of an edge up. It was more like we're just looking for great engineers and we have a selection process for finding them. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't based on my experience interviewing today and my experiences interviewing in, in two thousand three, I don't really sense a significant difference. Here's okay. Here's some advice. I I haven't personally experienced this feeling, but I feel like um, any sense of security I have in my career is half because of my technical skills and half because mm-hmm. of relationships I have with people. Mm-hmm. So I I feel confident I can learn new things. If if suddenly, um, like triple SQL instead of no SQL becomes the new <laughs> craze or whatever, then all I'll, SQL, I'll, whatever. Yeah, I'll I'll learn that. Uh. But also, I just I have friends and and I have people I like that I've worked with and and I'm confident that among all those people, someone would be able to help me find work. 
Mm-hmm. So that might be a better hedge than than worrying yeah. about specific technology. Just worry about um, having good friends, and then yeah, yeah, it sounds good. Know. Hopefully, hopefully, not all of them are in the same boat all at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> all my friends are NoSQL <laughs> experts, and that industry just blew up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, so you need to have a diversified I, portfolio of friends. Exactly. Yeah. You need to talk to people <laughs> that aren't just, they don't just do the exact same thing you do. Like, for example, if my surgeon friend ever needs an apprentice, I'm sure <laughs> that my ability to type would perfectly correlate to the ability mm-hmm. to like hold a colon or whatever they do in there. I don't know. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah. So... I have seen people, um, totally different uh, different observation here. I have seen people become victims of this phenomenon, but it's not because of a particular skill set or technology. It's because of a company. So over the years, I've interviewed people who have spent a long time at one company, 15 to 20 years at a single company. And when I interview them, somehow I get the sense that they are able to get things done at their company but it and the reason they're successful there is because they know how the company works and those skills are often not super transferable it's like oh yeah i know i know janet over in marketing and i know how to get this done or i know bob over there in you know in accounting or the, on this other engineering team or whatever and it's like all those connections <laughs> i know the right palms to grease <laughs> yeah and like all these connections and the culture and the processes you've you've mastered them at this company and you have stopped becoming good at engineering and you've started becoming good at your company and if you sense that's happening i think that is is actually a slump you really should worry about but it's not something that happens in one year two years or even 10 years it seems to be from my limited experience i've probably seen this in half a dozen interview candidates about the 15 to 20 year point is where I sense that they are good at their company, but not good at engineering anymore. Hmm. Interesting. So quit your job. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I was going to say that. That's the sum total of the advice. Quit early. What? A- oh, you have it. Oh <laughs> man, I did it again. We always write <laughs> notes and sometimes I like read them and then subconsciously steal Dave's notes and edit this part out. No way. <laughs> it's it's strange, though, because I think that my, our parents' generation, um, if you'd say that, if I had told my parents that it was actually disadvantageous to stay at one company as an engineer for too long, they would be like, what? That's That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But yep. Anyway, here we are. D- different world. All right. Has the question been answered? Oh, one more thing. Um, I would worry a lot less about particular technologies and particular languages. I would focus on fundamentals and your ability to learn new things. And sometimes your company will provide those opportunities automatically, and sometimes they won't, and you'll have to do them on your own. Um, but your ability to learn new things is the number one skill as an engineer that you need to be successful, I think. Well, besides, of course, having diversified friends. it's all about schmoozing just schmooze it up such a gross word yeah (laughs) okay question is answered yep let it be written uh i'll read the next question this question is about imposter syndrome which by the way we get a lot of questions about 
Um, that's mm-hmm. a that's a thing. Uh, I'm a software developer postgraduate during college. I won a lot of small programming competition, rose to the top of the class, and it opened up a lot of contract work for me before I even earned my degree. A lot of the contracts threw me in the deep end, but somehow everything seemed to work out. I often get told I trivialize my achievements in programming ability, but I am very aware of my limitations. I'm quite sure I suffer from imposter syndrome, and in the coming months, uh, I will be demanding an above-the-norm salary for entry-level programming work due to my qualifications and achievements. I'm not sure how I feel about this, or if I'm just underestimating my abilities. Question, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome, and how do you cope with it? There's a lot to that question. Yeah, yeah. First of all, congratulations for doing well in school. It sounds it sounds great. Yeah, Working right. and going to school at the same time is, is also not the easiest thing. It sounds like you've been able to do that and you've gotten some, mm-hmm. some real-world experience, which is really cool. Yeah. I've never done a programming competition. Is it like HackerRank? Is it like all those uh, Code uh, Wars or all those sites, but just like you do it in a fixed time limit or something? I, I've seen that done. Uh, I think the ACM does that where I can't even remember, but I, I remember seeing other kids in my CS program doing that. Hmm. I don't know. They like nerds. lock you in a room and you have to write code. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nerdy. What a bunch I of nerds. They're programming. <laughs> um <laughs> That's what I imagine it to be, which uh, that's cool that you won. Um, maybe that will help you like get interviews at Google or something, but I, I imagine it won't help that much in the work you do. Well, unless he learned how to sabotage his coworkers' code, <laughs> that can be a valuable skill. Now there's a skill. <laughs> huh. Uh, so imposter syndrome. In, imposter. I am an imposter at speaking English. Imposter syndrome. <laughs> Jameson is actually not a native English speaker, it turns out. He's been yeah. faking it this whole time. My native tongue is mumble. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jameson, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think you have suffered from imposter syndrome yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I even 30 minutes ago. 30 minutes ago, I did. <laughs> yes. As recently as 30 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. What about yourself, so, Dave? I do not think I have suffered from imposter syndrome. I don't know why. But when people describe the feelings of imposter syndrome, I it's not something that I would it's not words I would use to describe my feelings. Hmm. What does it feel like? I was thinking about this. Like what what does that even mean and uh, this is like a hot topic in I don't know, you go to every developer conference and there's a talk about imposter syndrome. And I don't watch any of them cuz they just like stress me out more. Um, so <laughs> You're like, probably I'm not someone, a very good imposter. <laughs> probably someone has a better definition of this than I do. But I think for me, the feeling that I identify as imposter syndrome comes from a mismatch between what I think I know and can do and what other people expect me to know and do. Uh, it's not just comparing myself to other people like, oh, that person writes code faster or slower or whatever. Yeah. It's like, they have this standard that they, this implicit standard that they are measuring me by and, and I am not matching up to it. And it's always implicit. If someone tells me, here's the expectations we have for you, I'm totally fine uh, evaluating myself against them saying like, oh, I need to get better at this. But it's it's all this implicit cultural huh. 
understanding that is unspoken that I feel like everyone is silently disappointed with me for not meeting. Huh. So would you say it's self-inflicted? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there are things people can do to make it worse. Uh, they don't really work on me anymore because I'm I've, I've grown old and crusty at I'm 30, so I'm pretty experienced. <laughs> You're so old. Yeah. Old but, but like, nerd. I don't know. You always hear about um, feigning surprise. Like, what? You don't yeah. know that? You know? Like, uh, I, yeah. don't, I don't care about that crap anymore. I, I love learning new stuff. So, if someone does that, I'm like, yeah, I don't know it. Now I do, and it's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. But I know that can really bother lots of people. What else is a big thing? That's the main one that springs to mind, but I know there are other things people do. So, you you... You sense that you have limitations and you sense that people think you don't have limitations or that your limits are higher than they actually are in some way. Yes. And then you apply yes. this, uh, this like, ex- this artificial but nevertheless very real feeling expectation on yourself. Yeah. That is a shorter way to describe it. And how does it manifest? Like, does, is it just an inner anxiety that you feel or does it actually have, uh, uh, poetry. Repercussions. Yeah, just a lot of poetry. <laughs> Notebooks full of it. Deep and passionate scribblings. Um, that's a good question. How does it manifest? I think it's just stress for me. I just feel stressed out when I mm-hmm. when I feel it. It's a source of stress. Um, have you ever felt like you uh, like your salary causes you to have imposter syndrome? Because I think that's one no. of the. Uh, the question asker's comments here is he's going to ask for a higher yeah. than normal salary. No, I, I think nervous. I think the way I view salary is like utterly disconnected from how good I am at my job. Because <laughs> uh, I've seen so many people get paid in a way that is disconnected from how good they are at their job. So to me, salary is like mm. a game you play to make money. And then <laughs> the work you do is, is kind of separate from that. Um, so, so yeah, oddly, no raises or, or pay level has never caused me to feel imposter syndrome. It's never like, am I worth what they're paying me? Like, well, yeah, because otherwise they wouldn't pay you. I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's more. The only thing that matters is they think you are. (laughs) Yeah. But do do you ever worry that they'll find out that you're not as good as they thought and then maybe cut your pay or fire you? Nope. Never do. Don't know why. Golden age. It's a golden age. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's it's because I'll just find I'm another like job. A, yeah, a fresh little baby that has never experienced hardship or trials in work. <laughs> yeah, the financial part hasn't come into it for me. It's more it's more interacting with people. I think the answer to it though is you just got to embrace it and own it and pretend like you're a spy. You're like a. An, a secret agent who has infiltrated okay. the programmers and okay. <laughs> you are literally being an imposter like trying to convince them that you can not really sure if you're joking about that but i like no, the I'm, ownership <laughs> i'm joking it means it was I actually, a dumb when, joke when you said embrace it i actually um i actually like that so I don't know. That's probably I, like showed said, up on a slide somewhere in a talk about imposter syndrome. Embrace <laughs> the imposter syndrome. Embrace it. But I don't mean embrace the syndrome. I mean embrace your limits. Some of the engineers that are the most comfortable for me to work with are those who say, oh, I screwed up. Or um, they basically acknowledge their mistakes. They're what some people mm-hmm. use the term vocally self-critical. And mm-hmm. when I am that way about myself, I think it really takes a lot of the pressure off. You know, it's like, oh, you're not perfect. Great. 
none of us are perfect. Let's just clear the air about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll see these like giant Twitter threads where where someone will start admitting some mistake they made as a developer, something they don't mm-hmm. know, and and it's cathartic mm-hmm. for lots of people because they feel like yeah, it, it's like you said, it's it's okay to show things you don't know or, or areas you're not an expert in. I think some people react to imposter syndrome by like putting on this armor of arrogance. They just like try and compensate for it by by trying to make themselves feel even more infallible oh wow that that seems like the opposite of i mean that's going to amplify the imposter syndrome, yeah yeah right? but then like i don't know it's i don't i'm not saying it's a good idea i'm just saying i've seen it yeah 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 <laughs> don't do that because <laughs> that sucks it's no fun to work with and like people have a lot of patience for uh genuine inquiries um people have mm-hmm. less patience for for pretending to know stuff you don't in, oh, in like man. a snooty way Oh boy, that's I have so little patience for that. Yeah, yeah, know. that'll that'll get you called out by a lot more people than saying well, I didn't know that that's how SQL worked or whatever thing you think is like dumb yeah, yeah. that you don't know. Uh, I think another approach people take is they get how do I say this? They it, be gentle, Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Let her rip. It's like they're. They're they're trying to admit they're an imposter by like admitting all their weaknesses, but they do it in a way that's like cringing instead of saying like I don't know that and I'll learn it. It's like I am weak. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, and that's huh. hard to work. I don't know with if I've seen someone also. do that. It's demotivating to work with people that respond in that way it's really motivating to work with people that are excited to learn and and to grow their skills but if you're just like well i i heard imposter syndrome is bad so i want to like admit right away i don't know stuff and and then you let that Mm -hmm. i feel like such a hippie talking about this i want to say the phrase negative energy (laughs) what does that even mean (laughs) oh yeah i'm struggling to describe the distinction though you're, you're really bumming me out, man. Yeah, it's it's like... With all your negative energy. It's like you're confusing um, being down to earth with like a lack of self-confidence or, or honesty with a lack of self-confidence. I don't know. Hmm. So it's like being self-critical is one thing. Being self-loathing is yeah, the worst thing. You did it. You saved me, Dave. <laughs> words. Words. You did the words. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Okay, cool. Well, I feel like you're a scientist studying this phenomenon. Like, what is this strange thing? (laughs) This thing that doesn't, it doesn't exist in my universe. Yeah. It really doesn't. I don't know what the heck it is. I I just never really felt like I was faking it. Or maybe I just can't remember. And and maybe this goes away with time. I don't know. I don't know. You'll do fine. That's the answer. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Jameson believes in you. You can't be an imposter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's i think this is a very subtle and difficult thing and uh clearly a lot of people suffer from it mm-hmm. so you're not alone that's one thing we can say for sure mm-hmm. and uh oh here's okay here's what you do you know how sometimes public speaking advisors say imagine the audience is in their underwear yeah that's the weirdest why is that yeah. even <laughs> advice i i don't know <laughs> it's the dumbest thing but Ugh. Now, instead, next time when you start your first job, imagine if all your coworkers and your manager 
are all suffering from imposter syndrome more intensely than you. Okay. Maybe that will help. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> How is that related to underwear? As just imagining other people being in oh, an you're, awkward you're like, situation. Okay, you're I like, know. I will use the power of my mind to change yeah. the situation <laughs> to one I'm less worried about. Which is like mind. speaking in front of a giant group of people still, but they're all nearly nude. That would that would scare <laughs> right. me way more. Imagine you walk into a, so a conference worse. and everyone's in their underwear. Like that'd be horrifying. Yes, N- and not in like, like a like, gross human bodies way, but just like what has happened in the world that this is like a social norm. Did I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, Did I some, miss a memo that yeah, the social norms are changing? <laughs> I'm in some bizarro Twilight universe and mm-hmm. other weird stuff. Don't worry, Jameson. It'll make you perfectly comfortable behind the microphone. Yeah, it would not. It would not do that. Also, gravity is reversed, and don't worry about that either. <laughs> we all wear these magnetic boots to keep us on the ground, which is also That's right. metal for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> Lots of weird the stuff. Metal. The universe has been retconned. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that all of these techniques will help you in your imposter syndrome. <laughs> now that Literally. we've helped you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Good heavens. I think for me, the one thing that has helped me to not have imposter syndrome is to realize that the wizard master programmer who never ships bugs and knows everything simply doesn't exist. And the more I interact with programmers day to day, even the ones who I hold in very high esteem, and I see their mistakes and I, and I find out about areas that they're ignorant of, I realize, hey, we're all, we're all on this, um, like roller coaster ride of of progressing and learning and just because someone happens to have some notoriety or more experience doesn't really make them any any better or worse than me in this area of their confidence and ability to be an engineer are there better engineers yes absolutely um but that doesn't mean that everyone expects me to be this wizard like they all have their own insecurities and weaknesses as well and they're probably not even thinking about yours yeah so that's probably the best advice I can give. One more point. We talked a little bit about um, asking questions, but I feel like one thing we didn't say is that openly and honestly asking questions, I think, is a is is an easier way to win respect and, and admiration mm-hmm. from peers than pretending you know stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So good. Yeah. It's it, it just shows like this genuine desire to learn, which is which is admirable, I think. So, yeah, yeah. And the only thing holding you back from asking questions is often the fear that your ignorance will be apparent. Right? Yeah. Which, I mean, it, it will be at some point, and it's better to ask a That's question right. at the beginning than like the meeting where you're presenting on the thing that you were supposed to do that you didn't do because you didn't know how to do it and you were too scared to ask a question yep. about it. <laughs> <laughs> so now the only thing you have is to imagine everyone is in their underwear. Yep. <laughs> and get through this meeting. <laughs> And the horror just gives you this adrenaline rush. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I, I think that's a great point. Really good. Thanks. I love it when I sit down with new engineers and they just ask me tons and tons of questions. It shows me that they're learning. And not once have I ever sat down with a, a new engineer like this listener and had them ask me a bunch of questions and thought, oh, wow, what a dummy. Yeah. There's never. Yeah. But I will say that sometimes I sit down with new engineers and they start making assertions or statements that they think are true that are false, or telling me how things work and it's not true, that's when I go, oh, geez, 
come on, you need to ask more questions. Yep. So, all right, that can help. Question addressed. Question imposterized. Where we didn't even talk about the imposter syndrome inherent in making a podcast where we like sagely <laughs> dispense advice to other people as if we know anything at all. <laughs> Wait, are you saying we're not wise sages uh, of the ages? I use the wise sage of the age um, filter when I edit these podcasts. So oh, by the time goodness. they come out, yeah, we're good. Don't worry. You should, you should hear the crap that gets, <laughs> that doesn't get through the post-production. <laughs> <laughs> if you think this is bad <laughs> uh it's usually just a lot of babies screaming in the background it does yeah that's true you know it does actually take a certain degree of arrogance to put on a podcast like this yep. but i i think that i think Jameson and i've been pretty clear from the beginning that we don't really have all the answers but we share the experiences that we do have and in the hopes that they'll be beneficial to someone mm-hmm. and our mothers keep saying us that they love the show yeah it's you know so i'm not an imposter my mom likes it no she wouldn't like me if I were an imposter, so she has very high standards yeah. <laughs> for who she'll take as a child. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question has been answered. It is time yeah. to talk about how people can get their questions answered. Go hit us up on our website at softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button, and we would love to hear your questions. Questions are flowing in at an unprecedented rate. Um, of literally once per week, which means <laughs> actually, no, it's more like once per day, which means we're unable to keep up with all of them and answer them all, but we still love hearing them all. And we will eventually answer them all. Even if we have to retire from our day jobs and do this, you know, full time. And some of them kind of influence other questions we pick. Like we've had several questions about imposter oh, yeah. syndrome. Uh, and it's not that, I don't know. We didn't like the other ones. It's just like, okay, we, we should do an imposter syndrome question. Cause we have a lot of them. Yeah, it's like some kind of critical mass happens and we go, okay, this is clearly a hot topic. So if you don't think your question is worthy of being an- answered, you should write in because um, if enough of you do on one topic, we will blab about it for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what else could you want? Yep. Uh, so softskills.audio is the website to go do that. And please, we'd love to hear it. Also, if you are a question asker and your question has been answered, please use that same form like our listener did today to let us know how your situation turned out. We love hearing about the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you took our advice, if you rejected our advice, we want to hear about it no matter what. And if you like the show, please share it with people. We we would love it if more people listened more. I think we have more listeners, right? Isn't, aren't the numbers creeping up? They're creeping, creeping upward. Yep. Uh, creeping is the best way i'd like my podcast to be described so on that note (laughs) i think we'll end it we'll catch you next week all right thanks see ya